Hello and welcome to my Caravan Industry Insights podcast. This podcast is for anyone working in the caravan industry, whether you're from a manufacturer, supplier or dealer here in the UK or elsewhere. So listen every week to hear insights, interviews and marketing tips to help keep you and your business more informed and successful. I'm John Rawlings, a journalist and communications expert with a lifelong passion for caravanning and 20 plus years PR and events experience in the car and caravan industries. From starting in the editorial team at Practical Caravan Magazine to working in the press offices at Vauxhall, Volvo and Volkswagen and now in my own business specialising in the caravan industry. In this week's episode of the podcast, we're following on from previous episodes where we've talked about content marketing and having a good good website and the tips for, for all of that. And, and that's all designed to get to get new customers and, and inform existing customers and get people into that into that sales funnel, really. But I think this week's episode follows on really well from that because we're now we're going to be talking about customer experience. Because if you make your customer experience better than your competitors, then you're going to win, basically. But if, if the customer gets a poor experience, then all that time and money spent on, on your marketing strategy is just going to be a waste of time. And I know from my own experience as a consumer and, and from my corporate PR roles, you can spend a lot of money and huge budgets are spent on attracting customers. So, But I know when I've walked into car showrooms, for example, and you get ignored or whatever, it, it all goes down the pan very, very quickly. So this week, I'm going to talk to someone who is very passionate about customer experience, or CX, as it's known as. And he is a senior customer experience strategist with plenty of experience in the automotive sector and others. So he'll have lots of advice for us, which will be really valid for the caravan industry as well. Let me say hello to Matthew Patchett. Good morning. Hello. Good Great morning. Thank you for inviting me on. No problem. Now, we've both worked at the Volkswagen Group at the same time, I, I, I gather from our, our chat before we started recording this. But you, well, while I was in commercial vehicles, you were, well, before you left, you were Customer Satisfaction Development Manager. That's um, that's a sounds that's a long job title. What did what did that involve? So yeah, so so I was at Volkswagen Group for I think twelve years overall, and then for the second I suppose part of my stint there. So for the for the six years before I left, I was looking after our group customer experience program. So that was four to five brands and I think five functions as well. So it was all around I suppose that data quality and provision, capturing all that customer data that have had experiences with us. And then reaching out to them to to capture that feedback and then sharing that with all the dealers through kind of an online portal and then working with our insights teams and our brands to then actually suppose, translate that information into hopefully compelling stories around actually this is what we're doing well and how do you then share and replicate that best practice or actually these are areas of focus on what do we need to do to improve. And I think the biggest learning from customer experience that I've got is around linking that CX data to business metrics. So if you look at a star rating as an example, people know that a five is better than a three and a half, but actually yeah. what does that mean to the business? So, you know, we started to work at BWG around linking it to retention and, and lifetime value and these kind of metrics so that actually within the business, you can say, well, absolutely, a customer that gets a five is 15% more likely to stay with this, for example, and that equates to a value of X over, you know, a, a lifetime. So that's where we kind of really kind of pricked people's ears and, and got their attention. So. And what sort of what sort of data would you be working on for that then? So predominantly, what we or did metrics. was, a, yeah. So it was a lot of, I suppose, like overall experience, kind of voice of customer, kind of metrics, customer effort with our, you know, contact centres, and then yeah, like I say, linking it to DVLA data in terms of understanding whether customers 
retained within that same brand or retained within the group, or if they then went elsewhere and then being able to link that data to then, like I say, tell more compelling stories around actually what customer experience means in terms of those that do it well, you know, generally they're kind of top quartile performers as we used to call them and those that are struggling lower quartile, linking that to profitability. And the great thing is with data and, and CX is the data generally, well, I say generally, I, I think it pretty much always tells you the story you want it to tell, but it, you know, it, it sounds a bit cheesy now. People maybe get, <laughs> you know, the customers are the heart of your business. And if you, you yeah. know, if you don't get it right for your customers, they won't, they won't come back. And it, it's key to ensure that you're delivering a great experience that makes them want to come back and, and have that relationship with you. Well, it's fascinating that there is that much analysis going on at a large company like that. But since since you've left there, you're now working at a, a company that specializes in this kind of data, aren't you? Yeah. yeah. Called Reputation? Reputation yeah. it is, yeah. So they're yeah. software as a service company. So they, they, they support clients with the entire kind of customer journey. So they look at everything from acquisition to, to loyalty. So acquisition is, is very much around, I suppose, your online reputation, how you appear online. And if people then, you know, in terms of that awareness piece and people trying to find out how who you are and what you do, and then through to that loyalty and retention people. So actually, how do you then, you know, your customers that are with you, how do you ensure that they stay with you for the lifetime or, you know, the next generation? So we kind of cover that whole breadth of the piece. Okay. So not all your, you're working with a range of companies now and, and not just automotive, but they don't all have the same size teams as the Volkswagen Group would. would no, absolutely. Yeah. So we, we kind of touched on, on that before we, before we started. So, yeah, yeah so I, I, it, it's been really interesting in terms of awfully Predominantly, my life has been around the automotive sector, but it's really been great to move into different industries. So hospitality, retail, still do a lot within automotive. But yeah, one of the things that has kind of really surprised me in a way is that actually there are organisations that are still very on in their you know early days of their CX journey and, and quite immature in that CX journey. And then it's been really good to kind of help them and, and understand where they want to get to and how they want to grow and and bring kind of new technologies, but also thought process as well as as to how they approach CX. So it's, yeah, a, a, a real kind of broad breadth of customers. And, and like say, then bigger organizations have bigger teams, but bigger teams doesn't necessarily always kind of drive success in that CX arena. And it's all around, you know, the culture and the environment and how you kind of raise the profile of the customer and make it kind of key within the organization. Okay, that's good. There's a lot. There's a lot there. So in the, in the caravan industry, it's, it's quite similar to the car industry in a lot of ways, as we were discussing earlier, because you've got a lot of dealers are family businesses. I'd say that in terms of manufacturers, they are the much smaller team marketing teams than you would get yeah. in 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 the, in the car industry and smaller smaller budgets. But I think reputation is and customer experience is still well. It's vitally important for any business. And I know there are some. I've got clients who are. I can think of one in particular who's a camper van converter, and it's a really small company. So he he is really close to his customers. You know the. Yeah. Facebook group, et cetera, et cetera. And I think the communications there are are excellent. But w- where do you start then with with clients in terms of, well, how do you define customer experience to, to start with? Let's, let's start there. Yeah, so for me, so customer experience is all, it, it's that measurement between your experience against your expectation. And your expectation is then driven from all sorts of things. So marketing, as you touched on, you know, yeah. word of mouth, social media, online reviews friends and family, other experiences. So when you go somewhere uh-huh. to purchase a product, yeah. you will have an expectation in terms of this is how I expect this transaction to go or this visit to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then obviously in terms of experience, it will either then go beyond that or kind of in line with it or below that. 
So it's very much around that expectation piece and, and the marketing piece that you touched on is a lot of what we do at Reputation focuses on, I suppose, online review platforms. You know, a lot of organizations will invest heavily in their websites, which is absolutely fantastic. You want people to see kind of the product and the facilities that's, that you've got available. Yeah. But Google is, is very much the front door of your business. That's where people will, will find you, become aware of you. And if you have a low star rating or, you know, if you don't have many reviews or if you have information that's out of date or incorrect, that kind of first impression isn't then as positive as it as it could have been. Yeah. And, in, and in this day and age where, you know, I use this example all the time where people are multi-screening and they're kind of watching TV and they're scrolling on their phone at the same time. Yeah. If information isn't right or if you don't have, you know, a positive review, then people will just scroll by in a split second and they've kind of moved on to the next business that has that better appearance online. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Most, very often you don't even have seconds to make an impression, do you? It's, it's, no, absolutely. Uh, yeah, yeah. And we found from analysis that we've done that it, you know, kind of four star is is kind of a base minimum, really. And if you're kind of below that, then you know, consumers will just kind of swipe past you now and then um, move on to the next, on to the next kind of client. And um, mm-hmm. so that's what we, yeah, we really help kind of organisations look to grow that in terms of ensuring, like I say, information is accurate. You know, contact details, opening hours addresses these kind of things that you take for granted but it's amazing how many you know when we work with prospects and clients you kind of say actually there's misinformation all over the place and obviously google's trying to do updates as well and it it becomes a bit of a challenge so and and reviews are important because people want to know you know it's a it's an unbiased view of of your product or you know or of a location so reviews are, are kind of really key to to growing your business as well right so that's that's in terms of the content that's on your website, but also with the content they'll find when they search for you, if they put your product name into the into Google. Absolutely, yeah. Because yeah. a lot, of, so many places now. If you look at, I suppose, you know, retail, hospitality, people will just, you know, you Google things near me, and then you will make a decision based on kind of the, obviously, the product you're after, but also also the rating. And uh, you know, you touched on I think a converter earlier and kind of being really close to to customers, and customer experience now is being seen over kind of price and product. So people are quite happy to pay that little bit more if they know they're going to get a great experience, if they know they're going to be looked after. You know, we talk a lot about relationships. People want something that's kind of personalised. They want to work with organisations that know them and know who they are. So I think, yeah, that's that's a real challenge as, as organisations grow or kind of the bigger juggernaut clients is how do you kind of really yeah. know customers and build that relationship? And we talked auto before and kind of family businesses and Obviously, having that relationship with Skoda previously, I think that's one thing that they're really good at. They, you know, they, they've gone kind of got that family ethos over time, and and you know, family garages and dealers, and you know, have that kind of personal relationship. Yeah, and we all accept that things do go wrong, but I guess that it's then how how it's handled by the by the company in question. Um, yeah, absolutely. If it's, ha- if it's handled well, that customer then gets a good experience, which they tell more people about. Yeah, there's. I think generally there's a nervousness of, of, of people dealing with unhappy customers or, you know, giving news that maybe they won't want to hear. And I think that's something that, you know, a lot of organisations and industries need to need to overcome. There's lots of analysis and insight out there that shows it's better to communicate a negative message than not communicate at all, for example. So, yeah, you know, that makes sense. Keeping yeah. people informed, which is which is great. And then I think the other bit you mentioned around the poor experience that, again, if, if somebody has a, a poor experience, it is around how quickly you can a, acknowledge it and, and look. To, and again, we've seen analysis. We did a piece recently for a client that actually those customers that kind of flagged an issue or a concern or a complaint, however you want to deem it, 
you know, those customers that were then, you know, responded to quickly, their issue was resolved. They actually become more of an advocate than if they'd not had an issue in the first place. So yeah. again, it's around, like you say, issues will always happen. It's inevitable. You know, I know there's lots of talk around AI, but that we you know we are only human. Things do things do go wrong from time to time. But I think if you mm-hmm. if you own it and you acknowledge it and you respond to it and you address it, like I say, you can actually create advocates out of those customers. And as long as you don't do it too too many times, you've got to be wary not to drain the most of it too much. But <laughs> yeah. if you resolve it and drive it forward, then yeah, it, it can be definitely seen as a positive. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree 100% with, with that, definitely. How, okay, have you got any other examples of, of customer experience or how people are doing it well or, or, or not? Well, I think one thing that always strikes me is... You know, people say, why is customer experience important? And sometimes it can be, it can be difficult to kind of measure. Like I say, it's really important that you link those business metrics to it. You link financials to it. A lot of times people think, oh, it's the right thing to do, but they can't necessarily justify the why. But I think probably you'd remember, or some of the listeners may remember, like if you look at Kodak, for example, they were, you know, Ah, leading in photography. I think they at the time had kind of digital rights, but they weren't listening to their customers. They didn't deem it to be important. You know, and mm-hmm. if I said to my kids now, Kodak, they wouldn't have a clue what no. I was talking about. And <laughs> <That's> I'm, true. <laughs> and I suppose a more recent example would be BlackBerry. You know, they were oh, yeah, you know, yeah. kind of mobile phones and, and yeah. businesses. And, you know, they're really struggling now. And again, they've not adapted. And I know part of that is, you know, it's that technological development. But you've got to kind of, you have to listen to your customers. You've got to kind of heed what they're saying. You've got to evolve. And I think it just shows those that remain static and they, you know, they don't off, you know, they don't alter their experience or they don't evolve their product or whatever, then yeah, they're gonna they're, they're gonna struggle. And you, you look at so many big brands now over time that aren't now in existence or or kind of fallen down the pack. And you know, yeah. the, the hunters become the hunted. People always want to be number one and, and look at what people are doing. And if you, you know, if you don't maintain the pace, you're you're gonna struggle. Yeah. So if if what sort of things should a company be measuring then? You, you talk about metrics a lot in, in terms yeah. of customer experience. How, how if a company's not doing that at the moment, what, what sort of metrics should they be looking at to, to measure customer experience? Yes. So I think we touched on before around, you know, things like customer effort score in terms of how easy is it to try and get something done from a customer perspective. You look at, you know, overall experience scores. But I think part of the challenge is with some organisations is that you, they try to then finance and reward these kind of metrics, which is good in one way because it creates a focus, but then it can drive a negative behavior because staff then become quite focused on achieving a metric rather than delivering the outcome. And I think that's really important mm. for, for organizations is to become more outcome orientated. So, you know, we were talking about complaints and issues before. So that actually within your system, if you know that, you know, actually John's had a really poor experience and he's, he's great, you know, he's given these comments, actually then you know, recognize and reward people for then trying to, you know, reach out to John really quickly, you know, understand the issue, address that issue. So I think for me, it's more around, yeah, trying to drive outcomes. So in terms of, you know, can you drive, you know, complaint resolution times, call handling times, these kind of things, rather than focusing too much on a kind of an experience score or a, a customer effort score. Because like I say, I think sometimes people get a bit too focused on that. So actually look at more of the why and trying to drive you know, a positive outcome from from that would be my kind of advice and and kind of from my experience. Okay. 
Yeah, so I was just thinking, my daughter is a good example because she she's 17 now and she's obviously got, she's working, so she's got some of her own money to buy yeah. things. And she's very good at, well, complaining might not be quite the right word, but she, if she buys something off the internet and it's, or even, you know, she bought something from Smith's the other day, some pens, which were yeah. a highlighted pen, so she's very good at, at contacting them quite quickly and saying, look, I'm not very happy about this. Not in a really overtly negative way, I just wanted to tell them, but it's quite interesting the responses she gets. I don't know how... It's interesting that some of them take a 17-year-old, although I suppose they're not necessarily going to know her age quite seriously. And one company yeah. the other day, you know, sent her, sent her a voucher. They're quite quick to respond. But that almost, I often wonder, and I know that some of the car companies are very good at compensating unhappy customers, but that you've got to be careful there in a way, though, because that almost, because people tell people, and does that not encourage more people to complain? Yeah, I think it I think it's around, it's around that expectation. As you said, I think in terms of this day and age, it's, you know, people's expectations are growing all the time. I think it's easier to, well, flag both positive and negative experiences to customers when you look at things like Twitter and Facebook and all these different channels now. So it's a lot more yes public as well, which yes, I think, yes. you know, it kind of grabs attention because you you don't want negativity within that public limelight. No. And I, I think compensation is always, always difficult as well. And it, again, without kind of, I suppose, harping back too much to my kind of previous life, but... I know it was something that VW was very much looking around at, you know, in terms of compensation, are are we giving it to the right people? So are they people that have been with us for a long time that kind of utilise the network for repairs, those kind of things? Yeah. Or actually isn't somebody that's brand new to us, you know, maybe low value. And it's trying to really understand what, you know, what that compensation is going to give. And it, I've talked about relationships before, and sometimes it it's around being more personable rather than necessarily high value. Actually, can you get something that's maybe low value, but then really kind of impactful and, and personal to that customer? So that's, again, where relationships become more and more and more important. And I think as well, it, it, something a friend of mine said a, a long time ago that, you know, people say that the customer's always right and maybe disagree with that a little bit. I think the customer will say yeah. but they're not always right. And I think, again, if, you know, if they're trying to then appear or, or claim something that's not part of, policy or that is, you know, you've clearly explained doesn't kind of fit within warranty or whatever the process may be, then I think, you know, you've got to be open and transparent and kind of just deliver that message in the right way. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So this word experience is, is very important to this, this, this whole conversation around what well, customer experience is. And a relationship is the, is the word you're talking about. I think yeah. I'm, that's the word I'm picking up a lot, actually. And I, li I like the fact that you have to start building that relationship before that customer has any contact with you from, from yeah. uh, as you said earlier, when the, Google is your front door, what, what are people going to find about you? And that, that I'm, flagging, I'm flying the flag for PR here as well and, and content <laughs> marketing <laughs> because that's, that's what I'm always saying. The third-party editorial is much better than, uh, it's more powerful than, you know, big, big glossy adverts as well. Yeah, yeah. And Google's become, I've used the word before with a few people, Google is just a, it's just a juggernaut. And I think it's something like globally, is it nine billion, nine billion people a day that use Google? It must, it must be. Um, so, yeah, yeah. It, it's like I say, it, it's where so many people go for the start to, to search and become aware of things. And, and then, like you say, you're then leading on with your brand website and, and then kind of continuing that, that journey. But, yeah, how you appear on, on Google, it, it's just so key. And, you know, you've got to be kind of, I suppose, fresh and live and, and on and on there to make sure that, you, you know, you appear within the top search rankings as well, because it, and there's pages and pages, but people don't often click on page two. It's not very often that I scroll no, to the bottom yeah, yeah. of the first page of Google and then look onto the next page. I do skip, I do skip the ads sometimes and go down yeah, to, because yeah. they, I think, well, they're just paying to be there, aren't they? It doesn't, doesn't necessarily mean much. 
And I mean, do you, do you have any advice on how to react to, to bad Google reviews, etc.? I think, like I say, just be be open and transparent and, and acknowledge it. I think the worst thing you can do is just leave it and let it fester. Leave it hanging um, up, yeah. You know, even if it's just to say, you know, we've thanks for reaching out, we've acknowledged it, we're we're looking at it, and we'll come back to you. I think the worst thing you can do is is just leave it. And I think as well, it kind of going back to the, you know, where you can you can create more loyalty from having a negative experience at times. And I think, you know, we don't we don't gate reviews, so we don't just push through all positive reviews. You, you do need a blend. If, if if you've got perfect review after perfect review, is kind of people will then then doubt how through that is. So actually, uh-huh. you know, again, as long as you handle it and you deal with it in the right way, people will expect to see one or two probably negative reviews. But as long as you then acknowledge it, respond to it in the right way. Yeah. I think, like I say, if you see just, you know, great review after great review after great review, you're probably going to think, okay, how genuine is that? And again, trust is a massive piece when it comes to customer experience people want to be able to trust you as an organization that's really kind of critical yeah. so you know it, nobody's expecting you to be perfect or not have any blemishes it's as we said you know no, it's true it's, true again it just goes back to acknowledging those and doing the right thing and I, I think one thing as well with customer experience it is about learning from it you know so many organizations capture data capture insight and don't do a lot with it and i know data but you know you hear these phrases of data lakes and all these kind of things so trying to kind of pinpoint exactly what you need to kind of utilize to make changes is really important. But yeah, if you're getting feedback and, and you know, there's a particular process, you know, like follow-up call or balloting or particular issue with handover, whatever it may be, you know, if something isn't working and you're seeing that repeated, then utilize that data, work with the right parts of the business to to change it and, and look at how you can improve it moving forward. And I think one thing that we're starting to see now is in, you know, within a few dealerships and dealer groups that I've been speaking to is I think inherently people have kind of reviewed, recruited from industry, but actually more and more people are looking, you know, if you take auto, they're looking to recruit from hospitality and retail. They're looking to recruit people that have got those customer experience skills and then can learn kind of auto process. And I think that's kind of really, really key recruitment and engagement and onboarding the right people is, is critical. You want them to kind of be ambassadors and champions for your brand and, and really put those customers first yeah that makes a big difference doesn't it the experience you get but what about before that you've got to you've got to have your actual strategy in place first in, in terms of how you are going to handle things or what what sort of policies you put in place i suppose is, is that what your company does as well or is that yeah definitely so we like say we, we we you know we've got we believe we've got a, a great kind of software tool but it is around the, the people side of that as well so we definitely work with clients and prospects to kind of support them to understand where they are within their maturity and their their strategy and then kind of go through that and then help them to say actually there's areas potentially where they need to provide a greater focus or support and again we'll then work with them to you know to help kind of address that or suggest ideas in terms of how they work and you know we call off going with a lot of clients and we help with kind of workshops or regional meetings and and help com- convey that that customer message and it becomes very easy to within organizations to follow five all the time and just think, well, like, that's the, the next thing. And it's really important that you do have that strategy so that you can kind of step back and say, are we on track to where we want to be? Are we delivering the experience we want to do? Are we, you know, managing the processes in the right way? And it's really important that people do take, mm-hmm. you know, in, in the way life is now, it's always very much on to the next thing, but it's really important that you do take that breath and yes. you look at the, the long-term approach and, you know, it, it, as we touched on earlier with kind of, you know, Kodak and BlackBerry, it's really kind of important that you are reviewing that feedback and you're listening to what your customers are saying and what they're wanting and, and you know, taking your time to ensure that that's reflected in your strategy. And and I think, again, with strategies, they evolve. And if you've got one and it's not kind of hitting the course that you want, then 
revisit it. And, mm-hmm. you know, customer feedback is, is so important to that strategy. And, you know, I've been in meetings before where actually maybe certain projects or initiatives haven't got off the ground. But if you then get customer feedback or customer voice to then support your message as to why it's important or why you need to change, businesses can't argue with that customer voice. And if it's coming from the, the horse's mouth, so to speak, that's then really powerful to kind of yeah, need to change. So, And what's the best way to get the customer feedback other than just looking at Google reviews? There's lots of different ways in terms of, yeah, so, you know, clients can use, you know, panels for, for getting feedback. There's, you know, the structured ways of getting feedback. So, you know, event-driven surveys, these kind of things. You know, focus groups is a really good way. So what we tend to do a lot of the time, you know, you can work through voice of customer surveys. So you're getting, you know, lots of feedback from different customers. But then if there's a certain topic or thread that you think actually we need to delve into that a little bit more, you can then run things like focus groups, for example. So you get a group of people in a room kind of very open and transparent. You just talk through, you know, kind of the issues that they faced and what it means. Yes, and again, I'm having having yeah. videos and things that you can share within the business yeah. makes it more real. If you say this is an end customer, here they are, this is what they've said. Yeah. It really it really lands and resonates within an organization and again helps a lot of that, yeah, yeah. that cultural ethos and, and driving change. So that yeah, there's lots of different ways that you you can do it and, and different organizations approach it in different ways. But I think at times, yeah, it's you know, you've got a lot of the structured ways of doing it, but it's then kind of following it down into maybe, you know, like say panels or focus groups to then really get to the yeah. crux of it and then, you know, utilize that to to drive positive business change. So. Yes, I remember observing a focus group once at, at a previous job, and it's, it's, yes, it's really interesting. And you do get really honest feedback. Yeah, You're yeah. only going to get a certain number of people that are happy to come and give up their time, and they sometimes you yeah. have to incentivize them. But what's the easiest way of setting up surveys and things? Is that kind of what you you're, you do? Yeah, absolutely. So we'll help with organisations in terms of, I suppose, their whole programme design in terms of and linking back to that strategy. I suppose, what are the key listening points to start with? And then helping them with either their kind of online and reviews and managing those or whether it's surveys to start with. You know, we very much help in terms of, you know, are they asking the right questions? And and again, it turns to go back to that expectation. You know, you're looking through the lovely survey, your branding. I've heard recently, you know, people, there's a bit of a debate around whether surveys are still useful. And I think absolutely they're useful i think if you you know if you brand them right if you make them engaging you make them appealing you don't make them too long and you know you're asking the right questions mm-hmm. then you know people will fill them out and, and people will provide value you know valuable feedback generally as well if if people have got a product and a brand that they like and they love they're they're happy to talk about it so i think there's still very much a place for that and we yeah we certainly help clients kind of on that journey and, and one thing we're starting to do with with clients as well but then it kind of ties back into the review pieces a lot of surveys and voice to customer programs are very much based on a, a transactional experience. But actually, what about the customer that walks into a showroom or walks into a you know a, you know, a caravan showroom and then walks away and doesn't have an interaction? Actually, how do you capture yeah. those lost customers or lost leads? And actually, a lot of the time, you know, they're not necessarily lost. They just wanted somebody to to talk to or speak to, and you can you can use surveys to then kind of re-engage with those customers and identify that actually why people don't go on to transact. And again, you can use that information to then address processes and say when people walk in, we need to be doing this or we need to do this. So yeah, there's lots of different ways. Don't just always look at it transactional is what I'm trying to say. There's different touch points that will give you just as much valuable feedback. Yeah, yeah. And then what about in terms of customer experience for for retention of customers? Because they always say, I can't remember the expression, it's obviously much cheaper to retain a customer than than spend all that money trying to get new ones through yeah. through, through the funnel. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's, you know, depending on the product, it, you want to get to a point where you've offered such a great experience that actually when it comes to, 
refreshing that product, you know, repurchasing a product that actually you've done such a good job that they wouldn't consider another brand. They would just think, well, I'm automatically going to renew, you know, I love the products and I love the experience. And, and that's kind of, that's really key in terms of, you know, so again, not just going back to that transactional point, it's around how you build those relationships and, you know, just simple things like making sure your engagement and your marketing is on point and that you're contacting people at the right time. And even just, you know, reaching out maybe, you know, three months after a purchase, just to say, look, we're just checking yeah, nice. in. It's just really informal just to say, yeah. is okay? are you happy with the product? Is there anything more that we can do for you? You know, if you we talked a lot about the car industry, you think of the evolution of the product now around electric vehicles and, you know, it's like walking into a smartphone when you sit into a car these days and actually, you know, organisations offering second handovers. So actually, you know, you're so excited to get your product on the day, you're mm. probably missing to different bits, but not necessarily oh, yeah, taking yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I know, again, we've been working with one client about actually they're looking to offer, you know, a second handover. Is there anything you want to go through in more detail? And have you kind of fully understood that? Because again, the, the more, you know, immersed and engaged they get in with the product and that it, and ease of use, then they'll want to buy that product. That's why Apple is so successful because mm-hmm. they offer a great experience, but their product is so easy to use mm-hmm. that you mm-hmm. can't, can't imagine life without it really. And even when you get, even when you upgrade to a new Apple, it syncs so seamlessly now and your information is all updated. And again, kind of that, how easy are you to do business with is, is kind of really key as well. Yeah. I like, I like the follow-up part of the relationship that you talk about. That doesn't really take a lot of time or money, does it, to get someone to follow up? And, and it's because I know sometimes you buy something, a car, obviously, a fairly big item, and you disappear. And then, you know, you hear a lot from the salesperson on the run-up to, to getting your money. Yeah. And after yeah. that, it's kind of a bit of a a bit of a wasteland, isn't it? It all goes a bit quiet, yeah. but I think that's uh, an important point you made. And look, talk about, you talk about handovers and stuff. You're right. It's a very, normally it's quite an exciting thing, buying a new car or a caravan, obviously. Yeah. And there's a lot to take in. I know that a lot of, a lot of good caravan dealers anyway, do, do quite extensive handovers. Yeah. They yeah. take two or three hours and some of them video it or more and more manufacturers put a lot of information on YouTube because it's a classic case. Yeah. If you're away in your caravan, Stuff it doesn't work. People don't look at handbooks these days, do they? They want to sort of they'll, they'll Google it, and you want them to come to your website to really to find out how to work X, Y, Z, or what to do when something like yeah. this sort of happens. And that, yeah, it's like you say, it's that it, you know we've we've used the word relationship a long time, and then yes, obsession, and it's it is really key in terms of actually like I say that throughout the relationship, you know, it, people have got a clear point of steer in terms of actually, well, I know I can go to that website, or they've got this YouTube channel set up that will cover off these kind of different points. Uh, and again, the more ingrained and kind of, I say kind of reliant, but the, yeah, if they're kind of fully immersed, then hopefully they don't even consider looking at anybody else. They just think, well, this organization, you know, covers all my needs, whether that's in terms of purchase or through lifetime. And actually I may pay a little bit more, but actually I'm, I'm willing to do that because of the experience that I get. That reassurance yeah. is security and, get, so. and and these days, you know, new caravans are thirty to forty thousand a lot of the time. So you are yeah. it is quite yeah. a, a decent amount of money. It's quite an investment. So yes. yeah, you are going to be expecting the same experience as buying a car, yeah. really, aren't yeah. you? And I think making it, you know, making it personalised as well in terms of that relationship. Actually, customers will want things in different ways. Like you say, it's very rare now that people will pick up and go through the manual. They want different, mm. you know, formats and mediums, and you know, different paces to try and understand it and. You know, there'll be certain points, maybe, you know, within a caravan or whatever, that, you know, it could be their, first, their third trip out that they then think, oh, we've not used this aspect or we're, we've maybe not using that quite right. So what do we need to do? Um, and, you know, the customers are always learning about, you know, different products and, and what they can do. And, you know, and it's really key in terms of, 
it, like you say, it's an expensive piece of kit and, you know, you want people to, to hopefully come back to you and they kind of consider their next investment. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. definitely. And there is a lot of technology in, in, in stuff these days. And you forget that, I know sitting when I was in the car industry, you, you forget that there are people out there that uh, don't buy cars every day. They, they buy, sometimes only buy them once every 10 or 15 yeah. years. And there's been a big leap in the design and specifications and technology in, yeah. the, in that yeah. time. So just moving on to some of my more, more fun questions, I'm going to jump to the question about magic wands. If you had a magic wand, do you have any idea what you would wish for that would benefit the, the car and or caravan industry as a whole? Yeah, I, I, I said to you before we started recording this, this one kind of really caught my attention. I found it quite a difficult one, but I think probably more around thinking around, I suppose, the caravan sector and maybe just life in general. And I think we touched on it before. You could, even within your personal life, people are always kind of jumping from one thing to the next and, you know, people are always so busy. And I think COVID was quite interesting in terms of, you know, remote working and there's more talk of kind of four-day weekends and those kind of things. Mm -hmm. And I think to the industry, I think, you know, it would be... Well, and society, I think it'd be great that actually people are just given a bit more opportunity to, you know, remote work and, you know, deliver their job, you know, somewhere scenic and kind of picturesque and remote and will have the opportunity to actually just travel a little bit more and make, you know, make the most of those extended weekends and, and go to different places that they wouldn't necessarily nice. see. And so that would kind of be my wish in terms of, I think, actually, yeah, for life and for the for the sector, I think kind of. Actually, people have been given that opportunity. I've I've become a bit of an addict on YouTube now. I watch these people that are converting American butters and travel around the world, and they work remotely. And yes. I think yeah, the opportunities are amazing. And I think well, yeah, the, I caravan, the caravan industry has benefited from people being able to work from anywhere because yeah. they do buy caravans or motorhomes or campervans to be able to work from home wherever they happen to be that that time. Yeah, yeah. And there are I said I'm thinking of examples in the car and caravan industry. There's Certainly, I can think of two caravan manufacturers, one that has Friday afternoon off for their staff now they finish lunchtime, and another one that has all of Friday off, they just get the extra hours in sort of during the week, yeah. which I think is a really lovely idea. But also yeah. I heard about, because I always think, I mean, I've always quite fancied the idea of working in a, in a car showroom, because I like new cars and that <laughs> whole process. But one yeah. thing that always put me off is having to, the commitment of working at weekends. But I noticed there's been, I can't remember which, which group, but some of them are now closing on, what there was one that recently then announced, they're not opening their showrooms on a Sunday to give their staff better yeah. quality of life and family yeah. life, etc. Which is an interesting step because that's uh, it's quite common in a lot of other parts of Europe, isn't it? But over here, we'd expect everything to be open twenty four seven almost, don't we? But that's quite that's quite that's quite a, a brave move and an interesting move for a for a retailer. Yeah, and I think again, it, there is that. I suppose there is that argument that you should be available for when your customers need you. But I think again, if you're a if you're a strong performing business and people know your name and you're positioning it in the right way, I think possibly customers will will flex to that. And I think there's, you know, there's only so much that I think you look at recent years in some, you know, the NHS education, you know, people do need a bit of a breather, I think, and you, know, you can't be relentless all the time. And I think well-being and mentality is, is really key. And I think even from a, you know, a recruitment perspective, perspective now in terms of, yeah, you know, Future employees are looking at organisations in terms of, you know, their, their well-being, you know, sustainability, these kind of different angles. You know, it's becoming more and more important that actually, you know, to recruit top talent, they they will be grilling you as much as they'll be kind of you'll be grilling them. And it's, you, yeah. know, it, you know, it's becoming really important that there are certain elements and aspects in terms of, I suppose, protocol life that, you know, organisations now have in place. 
Mm, cool, cool. So my other fun question, and once you've got your American bus converted, <laughs> where where in the world would, would you like to take your your camper? Yeah, I do. I do love America, but I think it would be Australia Highway One. I think looks some uh, looks nice. amazing. So that would, uh, yeah. I think, with a young family as well. Like, if I had the opportunity to kind of up sticks and and do something like that, it would That'd be keep you busy for a while as well, wouldn't it? Yeah. So that would be amazing. Yeah, there's there's lots as well, and I think even within kind of the the UK, there's so much kind of on our doorstep that we probably not as familiar with as we should be, and you know, so yeah, probably do quite a lot around the the UK as well. That's true. There was a lot in the UK. There is when I first went to Australia, I did, it made me realise how compact the UK and the rest of Europe is. Actually, yeah, we have yeah. a lot on our doorstep, and uh, and I'm ashamed to say that I went to New Zealand and to the to the South Island, all the mountains before I'd been to the Lake District. <laughs> wow, okay. which just which is terrible. I have resolved that <laughs> issue since. But it's cool. And um, and if when you, with your van, then if you could have a barbecue on a campsite with three famous people, celebrities, politicians, dead or alive. Yeah. Who would you like to invite? So, so we had a lot of fun with this, and I was chatting to actually colleagues. So we we were all kind of providing a, a different. <laughs> uh, so I'm 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 quite into into Liverpool Football Club, and I do love Jurgen Klopp. I think he's a he's a great character, and he could okay. probably be a really good politician. I think as well. So I think he definitely. <laughs> would, oh, I'd like yep. to talk to. Yeah, Stanley as well. We're big Marvel fans in our household. Uh, and, uh, yeah, his creative imagination, and yeah, yes. we love going to the movies for a bit of escapism. So I think yes. Stanley. And in terms of uh, these, aren't necessarily kind of necessarily well known, but there's Barry Sheck and Peter Newfeld. So they're mm. founders of the Innocence Project. So basically, they help people that have been wrongly incarcerated. Oh yeah. And uh, it just switched me. I just find it fascinating, and and just some of the cases that you can hear about. Wow. Like, been in prison for a long, long time for things that they didn't commit is, is quite scary. And that whole topic over the last few years has just really caught my attention. So I think that it would be great as well, Sapler. So, so you're going to be doing a lot of talking. There's no there's no musicians in this in this barbecue, yeah, is there? Yeah, no. I'd, I'd have to make sure my bus is kitted out with a good, a good sound system. <laughs> so, yeah. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much for your time today, Matthew. If there, people want to get in touch with you, your, your company re- website is uh, reputation.com. Yes, it is. And yeah, we're on LinkedIn and I'm on LinkedIn, all the usual channels. And yes, you're at Matthew Patchett on LinkedIn as well. And yeah, yeah all the socials yeah. is, is reputation.com or underscore com. And you can find you there. Okay, brilliant. Well, I'll let you go. Thank you very, very much for your time. And uh, I find that really interesting. Brilliant. Super. Thanks, Joel. Okay. Thanks, Matthew. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I really hope you enjoyed it and would really appreciate it if you could share it with as many people as possible. Even better, please give me a five-star review in iTunes. It'd be a great help. If you'd like me to interview you, want to suggest someone to interview, or interested in sponsoring this podcast, or want to get in touch with me for any reason, please drop me a line at john at rawlingscommunications.com or message me on Instagram at rawlings underscore comms. Thanks very much. Bye for now.